the martyr by elizabeth bibesco this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by matt perard the martyr to h g wells i myself have always liked delancey woburn to begin with there is something so endearing about the way he displays his defects never hiding them or tidying them away or covering them up there they are for all the world to see a reassuring shop-window full of frank shortcomings besides i never can resist triumphant vitality delancey is overflowing with the joie de vivre with curiosity with a certainty of imminent adventure if you say to him i saw a policeman his face lights up and so it would if you said i saw a dog or a cat or a donkey cart to him policemen and dogs and cats and donkey carts are always just about to do something dramatic or absurd or unexpected nor is he discouraged by unfailing regularity in their behaviour faith is the evidence of things not seen and then too he is so very welcoming not of course that he makes you feel you are the only person in the world because a world with only one other person in it would be inconceivably horrible to him but he does make you quite sure that he is most frightfully glad to see you all the gladder because it is such a surprise delancey always makes a point of being surprised also though he is invariably in a hurry being in a hurry is one of the tributes he pays to life he as invariably turns round and walks with you in your direction to convince himself that having met you in german street is an altogether unexpected and delightful adventure and he never feels as i always do that a five minutes conversation is a stupid embarrassing thing too long for mere civility and too short for anything else the five minutes are filled to the brim and off he rushes again leaving me just a little more tired and leisurely from the contact delancey is the life and soul of a party or perhaps i should say the life and body he likes eating and drinking and talking to women and talking to men and smoking and telling a story and if he does address his neighbor a little as if she were a meeting at a by-election open air he at any rate never addresses her as if she were a duty and no one had ever wanted to kiss her to delancey all women have had lovers and husbands and children and religious conversions and railway accidents old maids and clergymen's wives adore him i don't know what it was that made him write originally perhaps it was his name delancey woburn sounds like the author or the hero of a serial or it may have been that his exuberant desire for self-expression had burst through the four walls of practical professions he had i believe considered the stage and the church journalism would have seemed to me the obvious outlet but he preferred literature creation is such fun he would explain beaming and of course he was tremendously successful delancey was designed on a pattern of success that was one of the obvious defects i was talking about delancey has never missed his failures 
he has fought and been defeated but he has never longed and been frustrated in his case romance is realism he has only known happy endings naturally he is not an interesting writer how could he be and naturally he is a successful one how could he help it delancey writes for magazines in england and america i myself never read magazines but occasionally he sends me one and every twenty stories i think it is twenty become a book the english ones were about scapegraces and irresistible ne'er-do-wells ancestral homes with frayed carpets and faded hangings in which penniless women-haters the last of a noble line set in brood living alone with equally gruff woman-hating family retainers sometimes too there was an absent-minded dreamer and villainous businessmen worked indefatigably in the interests of their own ultimate frustration but this of course would never do for america where there isn't a market for ne'er-do-wells frayed carpets inspire no glamour and dreamers who before the war were despised as harmless are now damned as dangerous no america must have her special line and no one better than delancey knew how to mix the fragrance of true love with the flavour of wall street and serve at the right temperature he wasn't proud of his writing or rather he wasn't proud of it with everyone in his heart of hearts what he wanted was not the applause of the public but the faith of a coterie to be a martyr misunderstood by the many worshipped by the few a bloomsbury hero a chelsea king we confess that as a writer mr delancey woburn is altogether too rarefied for our taste his work is far too impregnated by the stamp of a tiny clique of rather self-conscious superintellectuals reading his books we feel as if we had suddenly entered a room full of people who know one another very well in other words we feel out of it what would not delancey have given for a review that began like that instead of which the best that he could hope for in shorter notices would be an announcement that mr woburn's many admirers will no doubt find his last book eminently to their taste he provides a lavish supply of the features they are accustomed to look for in his work poor delancey his stories did sell so well and there was his flat in grafton street with the beautiful new taffetas curtains and the cigars that had just arrived from havana with his own initials on so from week to week he put off becoming an artist and one year after a four-month love affair and two lacquer cabinets he made a lecture tour in america was it a success i asked wearily delancey's success is always such a terribly foregone conclusion tremendous he beamed i was careful to be a little dull because then they think they're learning something but he was out of love the flat was overcrowded money continued to pour in and he knew terribly well that he was not making a contribution to contemporary literature he had always assured me at intervals that some day he would write his real book but i think it was after his tour in america that the dream became a project he burst in to tell me about it delancey always begins things with a sudden noisy rush charlotte he said i have made up my mind it sounds very momentous i teased 
he decided years ago that i was grave fastidious whimsical aloof and i suspect a little faded i had long given up fighting my own battle to be known because i realized that delancey never revises the passports given to old ideas there is always to him something a little bit sacred about the accepted i can't go on with it any longer he explained go on with what my damned stories how ungrateful you are i murmured thinking of the lacquer cabinets you have a market you can command a price each of your love affairs is more magnificently studded with flowers than the last be quiet he said i came to you because i knew that you would understand you are trying to blackmail me don't be serious he pleaded i am going to give all that up i have determined to settle down and dedicate myself entirely to my book but i expostulated have you thought of the yearning saturday evening post or the deserted strand i have thought of everything he said i shall be sacrificing five thousand pounds a year but what is five thousand pounds a year i thought of the taffetas curtains and the cigars but i answered quite truthfully i don't know you see charlotte he dropped the noble for the confidential i have got things to say things that are vital to me i couldn't put them in my other work how could i it would have seemed you will think me ridiculous a kind of prostitution yes i said but they are clamoring for expression all the time and i have kept them down till i couldn't keep them down any longer of course i know my book won't be a success a popular success i mean but it won't have been written for the multitude but for the few the people who really care who really understand it may be even thought there was exultation in his voice dull well i said i think it is very brave of you and quite right truly i do i think i shall take a tiny cottage in a fishing village in devonshire delancey was as usual saying things pictorially bare whitewashed walls blue and white linen curtains and a pot of wallflowers a week later he came to see me again when are you off to devonshire i asked i have decided to stay here he answered there is a roar of life in london a vibrating pulse a muffled thunder i began to be afraid that delancey's book would be very bad indeed it was it appeared to be a novel not exactly a novel he explained a large canvas with figures moving on a background of world conditions i thought of war and peace and was silent it doesn't matter being silent with delancey because he doesn't notice it i want he said to picture the very earth in the agonies of labor giving birth to a new world later the theme was to my secret relief narrowed down to england i have changed my motif a little he said i simply want to portray the quicksilver of after-war conditions england in transition at this time delancey seemed to me the least little tiny bit depressed the income he was sacrificing rose in his conversation from five thousand to seven thousand pounds he dined out less avoided his club and christie's also he kept out of love for ten years delancey had always been in love managed by him it was a delightful state 
ably presided over by head waiters and florists it made he once explained to me all the difference to walking into a room but everything was changed now the masterpiece was a jealous god jealous and i sometimes thought apt to be a little tiresome it had to be referred to so very deferentially with such carefully serious respect also it cast a shadow of gravity over delancey delancey who was never meant to be a high priest but rather a young man in white flannels with a cigarette in his mouth punting a young girl with a red sunshade like an illustration to one of his own stories friendship is a difficult dangerous job it is also though we rarely admit it extremely exhausting but never have my patience and endurance been more severely tested than during the year of delancey's masterpiece he finally decided that in the foreground there was to be the clash of two human souls and in the background the collision of two worlds the old pre-war and the new in fact a parti carie of conflicts you with your love of form he explained to me will appreciate the care i have given to the structure it is he added difficult to mould vast masses of material as the months went by i began to be horribly afraid that delancey's novel would be very very long indeed and even if nobody read it through not even a reviewer i should have to without skipping a word or a comma the sentences delancey told me are rather long i find the semicolon very useful for cumulative effects a vast array of words policed by semicolons i felt a little dizzy would they be able to keep order of course he continued the interest is very largely psychological but i regard the book mainly as a document a social document the fiction of today is the history of tomorrow this seemed conclusive the book could not have less than seven hundred pages a social document with psychological interest and a double conflict why it would be short at that and then one day when delancey's book had become to me a form of eternity he arrived breathless with excitement to all intents and purposes it's finished he gasped thank god i murmured faintly it will be an awful loss to me he stated mournfully it isn't dead yet i said with feeble jocularity it is sad to see your children leave you to watch them step out into a cold inhospitable world he went on a warm welcoming world i amended dishonestly you haven't told me what it is called yet it isn't called anything i want you to be its godmother charlotte what about wither too like a pamphlet i was glad to be on firm ground again i thought about bates laboratory but it isn't very rhythmical is it not very i agreed the question mark after the wither would look nice on the cover he reflected regretfully i brightened this was the old delancey the delancey of the saturday evening post and the strand of the taffetas curtains and the cottage in devonshire by my sudden glow of gladness i realized how much i had missed him but i couldn't say dear dear delancey please be your old self and never never whatever you do write another good book 
so i confess that a question mark would look very nice but that i still thought that wither sounded rather like a religious tract well we must think it over he said a week later he announced to me in a tone which indicated clearly that my opinion was only wanted if it was approval i have decided to call my book transition i always liked single-word titles i said no one will read it he said one bears one's soul to the public and they throw stones at it but at any rate now i can hold my head high i didn't laugh but it was the effort of a lifetime dear delancey was so very absurd as a self-made martyr it was somehow impossible for him to give an impression of having been persecuted for righteousness sake his shiny rosy face had never looked rounder his trousers had never been more perfect or his shoes more polished and there was still the same little outburst of childish prosperity his watch his tie-pen his links were all redolent of a vitality that had never been just the least little bit blatant delancey i said i want you to have just the sort of success you want for yourself thank you he said wondering if i knew what i was talking about and then one day a proof copy of delancey's book arrived i looked at the paper cover it was bright orange with transition slanting upwards in immense black letters very arresting i could hear the publisher saying gingerly i unwrapped it underneath it was silver black linen with bright blue lettering still on the cross i sat with it in my hands feeling limp and willless but at last i pulled myself together and read the dedication to those who died i saw that there were six hundred pages big pages crowded with words and then saying to myself tis no good putting it off i began to read delancey's book was certainly not at all like his stories it was very nearly rather a good book and it was quite extraordinarily dull the social structure played a role of deadly relentless magnitude it began before the war as an immense iron scaffolding and ended sprawling in the foreground torn up by the roots in the clutches of this gigantic monster the two chief characters not unnaturally reduced by comparison with their surroundings to the proportion of pygmies in their turn worked from happiness to the self-conscious misery which is the only true state of grace i have chosen a man and a woman neither of them in any way exceptional wrote delancey in the preface and though this was undoubtedly so they seemed to me truer to fiction than to life no the merits of the book had nothing to do with the characters they lay in the descriptions of the english countryside of village life of london traffic of the armistice of an albert hall meeting there was a close observation of detail in that pictorial sense which is delancey's one gift and which he relentlessly suppressed whenever he could nevertheless forced its way out here and there the canvas seemed to me immense politicians and preachers workers and capitalists artists and philistines good women and prostitutes soldiers and conscientious objectors jostled one another in the melee 
bloomsbury westminster chelsea and mayfair each had its appointed place while race-courses and night-clubs alternated with mining villages and methodist chapels but unlike delancey's other stories the soldiers had no v c s and the workers didn't touch their caps my eyes ached and my brain tired as i read on but i forced myself forward with the thought that no one else in the world would reach the end then the reviews began i felt a little nervous but one seemed more glowing than the last finally a notice appeared two columns long entitled a social document which ended with the words we venture to predict that this book will be read one hundred years hence as a truer picture of the england of to-day than most of the histories that are being written delancey was frightfully pleased naturally with childlike joy he showed me cuttings from intellectual literary papers his book was even mentioned in a leading article and formed the topic of a sermon think of reaching a pulpit he exclaimed exultantly of course i know i've lost my old public but i've found my soul people talk to me of their work now he told me another time in old days they never thought me one of themselves i was a story-teller not an artist and then it was that an extraordinary thing happened transition began to sell it was quoted and talked about until the snowball of fame steadily gathering momentum started rolling downhill to the general public the sales went up and up and up the circulation reached one hundred thousand and soon after one hundred and fifty thousand why people bought it and whether they read it i don't know but sydney the heroine and mark allison the hero became household words and soon they were used as generic terms a sydney or an allison without so much as an inverted comma delancey hardly ever came to see me i imagine he was in a very divided state of mind he had so dreadfully wanted to be an intellectual to be able to rail at the base imbecile public in exquisitely select bloomsbury coteries he had so resolutely determined to be a martyr to sacrifice himself on the altar of pure art and somehow mr t s elliot and martyrdom were as far off as ever after all he had given up five thousand pounds a year and v c s and happy endings was it his fault if he was making more money than ever and the inner circles of the unread elect seemed more firmly closed than ever at this time delancey avoided me but i heard that transition was to be dramatized and that the film rights had been bought how the endless chaotic mass loosely held together by semicolons was to be moulded into a drama or a movie was quite beyond my imagination but evidently some enterprising people had decided to call their play transition delancey must i reflected be getting very rich indeed but still he didn't come near me until one day i sent for him he looked i thought just a tiny bit careworn the all-conquering light had gone out of his eye his boots were a little dusty and he wore no tie-pen he had i suppose become rich beyond the symptoms of prosperity well i smiled at him to reassure him it has all been very surprising hasn't it he said with an embarrassed expression i didn't know whether to say yes or no that i was glad 
or that I was sorry. But it doesn't alter the quality of your book, I consoled him. He brightened. No, he said, it doesn't. I am glad you said that. We talked about other things, music and old furniture and people. He had, he said, thought of buying a house in Chelsea. It was, I realized, not exactly the entry he had planned, but I encouraged the idea. There was, I explained, nothing like the Thames. And so we rambled on till he took his leave. But five minutes after his departure, I heard the bell ring. Delancey burst back into the room. I forgot to tell you, he said, that 185,000 copies of Transition have sold. End of The Martyr by Elizabeth Bibesco.